welcome to my Dream Log Cabin podcast, where we help cabin lovers like you navigate the uncharted waters of building their dream log home. From idea to move in, we cover all aspects of log home design and construction. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to hit that follow button. This podcast is sponsored by Caribou Creek Handcrafted Log Homes. Hey, cabin lovers, welcome back as always. I'm so happy to have you here with me again. So I'm sure by now you realize that when I do these episodes, I spend a lot of time really thinking through what we're going to talk about. And as I was preparing for today's podcast episode, diving into log selection, I was reminded of this experience I had when I was working in the office. Cameron, one of our more experienced log crafters, and I got on a topic just chit-chatting, and um, while he was in the office, I was asking him what it was like to be a log crafter, and you know, if he felt like he had enough experience, like, well, you know, just kind of just picking his brain, curious what they do and how they go through their process. And his answer was his, he said, I feel like I learned something new every day. And this really opened up my mind. I was just blown because I'm like, seriously, you've been here for more than three years. Like, what is it you could possibly be learning? And in my mind, of course, I'm just thinking, well, maybe it's got to do with the the actual crafting of the logs. Maybe there's so much that goes into actually notching and inscribing that there's got to be some sort of level of detail there that maybe he's learning new techniques or nuances as he's going along. And surprisingly, his answer was actually completely different than anything I expected. He said, I feel like I have a lot more I could learn about log selection. And folks, that's when my mind was like really blown. I'm like, what do you mean log selection? I'm thinking, how hard can it be? There's a log, you put a notch in it, you put it on the wall. But that's when I discovered there is so much more that goes into it. And that's the reason why I wanted to highlight that here in this episode. Because I told you in our last episode that my goal here is to share with you the exquisite artistry that is going into these handcrafted log homes that Caribou Creek is producing. As again, we talked about in the last episode, the process really starts with fiber selection. And we talked about various fiber choices that are popular for log home builders. Plus, I went into more detail about how we source our logs, where we get them from, And I also mentioned that Caribou Creek goes so far as to source our fiber from private timber owners who fall their trees by hand because we don't like the mechanical damage on our logs. I mean, that is just one of the ways that we go the extra mile for our log kits. Now, I'd love for you to go back and listen to the previous episode when you're done with today's because, you know, there's really so much that goes into it. It's truly enlightening. And before we do dive into today's episode, I want to extend a special invitation to you to visit our facility. Listen, we're tickled anytime someone comes here. We get to show you around our base operation, and we would just love to show off our products, our logs, and introduce you to the people who have a hand in the process. And so if you are considering a log home, I really encourage you to come visit us here in Idaho. Not only is it a great place to visit, but you'll also get to witness for yourself the facility and the amazing people that make this team so phenomenal. Now, if you're just in the beginning stages and you're not quite ready to take the leap to come visit us, that's okay too. You can get started by purchasing the Ultimate Log Home Planning Guide, which is found on the Caribou Creek website in the top right-hand corner. It will help you map out your dream home. 
This log home planning guide starts by helping you define your dream. It walks you through the variations of log homes so you can start deciding and making some choices about what log style and design you like. It also ha has our design questionnaire that will help you create a customized floor plan. Building a log home is very different from another any other construction experience and knowing who you need on your team is a valuable asset. The log home planning guide will explain who you need in your corner and give you a list of the right questions to ask that will help you pick your team with confidence. So check out the log home planning guide today again at cariboucreek.com. Okay, so on my quest to discover what made the log selection process so dynamic, I asked our founder, Dave Byler, to personally walk me through the process and demonstrate what characteristics are our log crafters are trained to look for and what constitutes a bad log. Here's what he had to say, and this honestly blew my mind. I'll be honest with you, a lot during this experience really opened my eyes to even more. After working with this company for so long, I felt like I had a handle on things, at least the gist of it, but it just is so amazing how every time I uncover a new leaf, I learn more and more. So it's really beautiful and I truly enjoy it. Enough about my corny gushing. <laughs> Truly, besides all my enthusiasm here, here's what David had to say. He said that 90% of log home companies out there today would use the logs that we reject. Now, if you recall in the last episode, if you already listened to it, I mentioned how we've become so picky over time with our log selection that the people we buy our logs through they don't even bother sending us certain quality logs because they know that we'll send them back. We've just been through this with them for so long now. They know exactly what we're looking for and we're very fortunate to have found suppliers who understand what we want. At the same time, you know, we've really gone so far as to not have to throw out as many logs as we did before. But now that being said, I was surprised to hear from David that even though we've done all of that, we still don't use for house building approximately 50% of our logs. I couldn't believe it. I was really shocked by that. Now here's something interesting that we do differently than other log home com companies as well. We buy logs all the time. So we keep an inventory of logs and we don't just buy logs for a specific project. This is actually one of the reasons why we're often able to get projects done faster than other log home companies because we have the material on hand. In other words, when a customer comes in, it's just like when I, I ran a flooring company with my sister. Um, when we would bid a job, we would go in and measure the floor and order the flooring and account for overage, right? We didn't just constantly keep flooring on hand. It was specific to the job. Well, that's how most construction companies and other log home companies do it. If they know their project is going to require 50 logs, then they'll order, you know, maybe 60. Uh, they, they, and then they just say, hey, crafters, here's the logs. Go make your house. Typically, we invest in our inventory more in the peak season, but we do stay consistent with ordering year round. And as a result of that, what ends up happening is as the inventory comes in, here's our process. We have peelers. Every single log gets peeled once it arrives and the peeler's job is to take a look at that log and typically they're the first step in the log selection process because as they begin to peel that log they know what to look for and if they see a log that doesn't meet our standards immediately they're to stop peeling it 
and throw it into our discard pile or our for other use pile, so to speak. And now that's not to say that we don't use those logs because we might use them for a post or, you know, maybe as a insignificant log for something else. But we have deemed that log not fit for construction. So we won't use that in the construction of a house. So what I guess I'm trying to relay is just to be clear that even though we're considering them discarded, it doesn't mean they're being completely wasted. It just simply means they are not fit for construction. And that's about 25% of the logs that the peelers throw out. The next step goes once they're fully peeled they're put into another section of our yard and then when we have a project it's up to the log crafter we empower our log crafters to hand select the best log for the use that it's going to go into rather than saying hey guys here's your logs get to it this um you know we really give them a chance to go through and select each log with precision but I asked David why we do it this way rather than the traditional way that other you know companies may use, and that is because he said that each log has nuances. And depending on where the log is going to be placed in the house, some logs are better suited for that location than another. We're going to get into some of how that works and what we're talking about here next. But in some cases, they're going maybe in up against a window, or some are going up against a door. Some are going to be notched into a corner. So there are different reasons why some logs work better for certain areas than another. So at this part of our conversation, I was already blown away by some of the stuff David was showing me because I understood that at any given time, we have about 20 log crafters on average. And I'm imagining 20 different people having to be part of this process, choosing logs, each of them working on a different section of the house, each making decisions and we're having to work together to collaborate on what logs are gonna go where and how this whole project is gonna to come together. It was really just so awe-inspiring just thinking about that as we were standing in the log barn, of course that's my name for it, the log barn, and we were looking at this project that we were about to be talking about all these logs. So in my mind, that's what's going on. I'm, I'm literally visualizing what I've seen happen and now understanding on an even deeper level what's going on in the minds of the log crafters. I could begin to really understand why Cameron was second guessing himself, especially after hearing what he was explaining and then also realizing that there's hundreds of logs around the yard to choose from. So really scrutinizing each one for each position is something that would definitely take a high level of skill, just like a mason choosing which rocks are going to fit best or which bricks are going to fit best. You know how they make these beautiful like mosaic fireplaces and whatnot and it just looks like it was meant to be like all those rocks were meant to go there but the mason is the artist behind it who hand selected each piece to make it look beautiful and they are able to do it in a rapid fashion because of their experience I can absolutely understand why um, Cameron would say this is the part of his job that he feels like he's learning new new things about all the time all right so now that you understand a little bit more about how the handcrafting or hand selection process is unique here at Caribou Creek, I want to talk a little bit more about specifically what we're looking for in the logs. And this is the point at which David and I started walking through the project and he started pointing out things um, to show me what constitutes, you know, quality versus lack of quality. One of the first logs he showed me, he said, hey, take a look at this log. Do you see that check? And there was a check that was going around, um, not, not the full length of the log, but it was it was spiraling basically about, I would say, maybe uh, a third, maybe, 
maybe 25%. It's hard to say for sure, but he said, you know, if that check went any farther than what it's doing, we would have thrown that log out. I said, why? Uh, well, of course, I asked him, and he said, because over time, when the checks expand, what can happen is moisture and water can build up inside that check, and we don't want that because that can lead to rot. So we're very careful about not only the size of the checks, but more importantly, the length of the checks, because we can typically control their placement when they're shorter, less less length. And we definitely, he said, we definitely wouldn't ever use one that spiraled all the way around the log completely. So if you're not sure what I'm talking about when I say the word check, what I mean is a large crack. When you look at a log, they have small fiber lines, basically some small cracking, but then there are larger ones. Usually I would say at least a centimeter or more in width, and those are called checks. Checks are normal. There's really nothing wrong with checks on the most part. But when they spiral all the way around, it can be a problem. Okay, so watching the check length was the first thing he talked about. The other thing he was talking about was looking at each log, and he said, he's talking about the length of the log, and he said, we allow... For every 12 feet of length, we allow one inch of taper. Now, taper is obviously the log, you know, as it's going from the base up, it's getting smaller. And so the, the fact that the log changes diameter is called taper. Um, and so for every 12 foot of length, we only allow one inch of taper. We want our logs to be very uniform as much as possible. And in the process of doing that, we're also looking at the spiral of the grain of the log. Now, honestly, this was really interesting because there was some good information here and, and fascinating education, quite honestly. I get a little, I geek out on this a little bit, so I hope you can bear with me, but I just truly find it fun. And um, here's what he was showing me. He said, we want the log uh, fiber to spiral to the right. I was looking at these logs and friends, I have worked here for all these years and I've seen so many logs, I've never paid attention to which direction the spiral was pointing, never, until this moment, all of a sudden it was clear as a bell. And I said, wow, I see that, you know, I, pointed, I was like, oh my gosh. In fact, we found a log uh, that was discarded and it was in the discard pile because it had a left spiral on the grain. The grain was spiraling to the left. Of course, I had to ask him why this was significant. <laughs> um, and this is where I got an eye-opening education. So he explained that when spruce and dug fir trees are young, they spiral left. And at some point, as they get bigger, they start to spiral to the right. And as they grow, they ultimately, um, they should stay spiraling right. I guess it could be said that spiraling left, any grain that's fully spiraling left by the time the log is a full size, right? It's a full size tree. It's considered a deformity because it's really rare and it's not natural tree growth. And this makes the logs, okay, so by having the log the log grain spiraling to the right, it makes the logs more stable because you have the left and right spiral opposing each other. If they, if they never come back to the right, he said, the left-handed spiral will spiral all the way to the heart of the wood. And when it opens up, it will have huge wide cracks. So David mentioned that people debate this concept a lot, but both log homeschools that David attended taught this exact concept that looking for and only using logs that spiral to the right is the way to go. However, there is no scientific evidence of this, 
But again, it's probably not something that's been scientifically tested very much anyway because it's such a rare thing, a rare thing to have happen. So that's another of the things that we, we look for. We look for taper and the way that the log grain spirals. The next thing David talked about was knots in the log. Once again, I was surprised because I always thought knots were very hard. I mean, have you ever tried to hammer a nail into a knot in your wall? <laughs> it's almost impossible. But David explained that too many knots actually weaken the log overall. And so we only allow a few inside a certain length. And we're very particular about how many knots the log has. Now, if it does have a lot of knots, we might still use it in a wall, but we will not use it in a purlin or a joist. It just depends really on how many they, they, it has and where they're located. Another thing that we look for is called wind shake. Wind shake. Okay, so wind shake is when there's a sudden freeze when the tree is growing and there's a sudden freeze. So if, for example, the log was growing in the summer and there was an early frost, perhaps the tree had some sap oozing out and it froze and crystallized. So what happens is within the growth rings, you can see a chunk of crystallized sap, essentially. Now, if this just happens on a small scale, it's not too much of a problem. But if that crystallization wraps around the ring, then what can happen is the whole chunk of the, of the log from the crystallization to the exterior of the log will pop off. And so we don't use the logs if there's too much wind shake. And on that note, we also look for even growth rings because that indicates that the timber is more stable. So here's an interesting side note. It doesn't really have to do with logs being quality or not quality, but I learned this in the process and I wanted to share it with you. So there's dark rings and light rings. And when you look at the rings of a tree, the dark rings indicate winter growth and the light rings indicate summer growth. And when we see a tree with even growth rings, that means it grew steadily all year round. It grew in the winter and in the summer. And so that's one of the things that we look for. So, I mean, this really summarizes a lot of what we do when we're selecting the logs. We're looking for logs that are unique to match the adjacent logs. We're looking for logs with minimal amounts of knots, minimal amounts of taper, spiraling to the right, even growth rings, no wind shake, we're looking for logs that don't have a lot of checks that or checks that are too long or that spiral completely around the log. So there is so much going into each and every log and each log is selected for its unique placement in the project we're doing. I wanna expand on that a little bit more because I don't think I went into too much detail. I mentioned that uh, the peelers usually discard about 25% of the logs, and then the log crafters, as they're choosing the logs, they're going to find others that get discarded for various reasons. And this is the thing. I asked David, what is so specific about, why is it so special that we empower the log crafters? And he said that in our, the way that we build the houses, it's important that the crafter has the ability to choose the log because... There's a lot that's going into uh, which log should be best paired with the log adjacent to it. It's a science, it's really an art is the best way I can describe it, that goes into choosing which log is the best partner. They're looking at the log that's beneath it, for example, when they're in the process of crafting the wall. We want the notches to balance. I suppose that's probably the best way I can articulate what he was saying. 
And there is a, he kind of showed, you know, we want it to come out of the middle, but in a podcast, it's hard to explain because he was showing me with his hand, but he, he basically said we want it to look balanced and neat. And so what's happening is the logs, the log crafters are looking at the log, comparing it to the log that's already on the wall, deciding how will it play out on the joinery on each end. And mind you, some of these logs are 40 or 50 feet in length and they have to compare it the whole length of the log. So it's really fascinating and I can understand why it makes sense to just let the log crafter choose the right log rather than trying to make them, you know, make all the logs fit. And I think it really makes the homes look even more put together. It's such a subtle difference. I think that probably on, for, for those of us that haven't got the experience of looking at these nuances like David does and Cameron, you know, we, we probably wouldn't notice this, but this is something that you know, is going into these homes and it certainly gives them their amazing, beautiful quality. I like to imagine that if you were to buy one of our log kits and have it built on your property, that you could sit in your living room in those cozy winter nights by the fireplace and simply just admire your home. I mean, just know that every inch of your logs were touched by somebody. Every inch of every log was looked at and scrutinized and chosen specifically for the place that it is in. You can look at the joinery and know that you have a custom, state-of-the-art, living art form, livable art form, I guess is probably the better word, that you can admire at your leisure. So friends, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please hit that follow button and definitely head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It means the world to us. Until next time, bye for now.